Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, good evening, friends. I am pro-life leader Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life, and I welcome you to this nationwide time of prayer, this special live broadcast where we, as the body of Christ, are going to invoke the promise of, of Jesus Christ that when two or three of us who follow Him agree on anything and ask it, He will grant it to us from the Father. How can any of you, knowing how to give good things to your children, give them a scorpion when they ask for an egg, Jesus said. How much more will the Heavenly Father give good things to those who ask? God wants to grant us blessings even more than we want them ourselves. And one of the key and most important things we have to ask for right now at this moment is indeed the protection of life. We are going to delve into the Word of God. We are going to explore what we have to pray for in regard to the abortion battle that is unfolding in Ohio. We're going to talk about why Ohio is important for the abortion battle in the rest of the country, indeed the world. We're going to look at uh, some of the angles of this that you probably have not heard other leaders or commentators talking about. We're going to look at it in the perspective of the wider political battle that is going on in our nation. And we are going to look at some of the practical things we need to do to bring about victory. All of this and more, prayer, intense begging of the Lord, and education of one another, this is why we've gathered here tonight. So I want to ask you to share this right now, and many of you are in, in the custom of doing that uh, already, and invite others to hop on board so that their own prayer power may join the rest of us and so that they may come away better able to talk about what it is that's going on in Ohio and why it's so important. Friends, let's, uh, let's turn to the Lord. And I want to just start with the uh, Gospel of St. John, the very beginning of that Gospel, to set the tone for our prayer. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines on in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become the children of God. Those born not of blood or of the will or of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, 
full of grace and truth. Let us pray. Father, we trust tonight in the power and promise of your Son that when two or three gather, not only are you present, but you are ready to answer what we agree on in prayer. And we agree tonight, Lord God, that abortion must be stopped, that the desire to expand abortion, this senseless, irrational, bloodthirsty desire on the part of too many people in our nation and too many people in power, would be stopped in its tracks, lest more children be destroyed, lest more families be destroyed, lest our nation continue to be destroyed by this act of violence. Lord God, stop abortion in its tracks. Stop in its tracks the effort in Ohio to expand abortion. In a state where so many pro-life initiatives have been taken over the years, so much pro-life protection chosen by the people and their elected representatives, Lord God, that the forces of abortion would try to expand this violence in that state is yet another sign of their unbridled arrogance and their utter foolishness. Help us, Lord God, to see what is going on, to understand this battle, and to do everything we can to bring about victory. We know that victory is yours. We know that the battle is yours. And yet we also know that you call us, you choose us, you thrust us into this battle, and we must do our part. You have given us, O oh Lord, a sacred stewardship here in America. In the Scriptures, in your Word, we see that the kings are responsible for carrying out the covenant. Those you appoint to govern your people, you give the command to keep your covenant, part of which is that no innocent blood is to be shed, that the killing of children is not to be carried out or participated in in any way or tolerated on the land. Lord, this is part of the responsibility of kings and yet we see throughout the scriptures some kings who not only allowed the people to sacrifice their children, but actually set up the sacred pillars at which those sacrifices were carried out. Hence, violating your covenant, bringing innocent blood upon the land, provoking your wrath, and causing the exile. The exile not only of the northern kingdom by the Assyrians, but of the southern kingdom to the Babylonians. It happened. The people were taken into exile. The city of Jerusalem and the temple were burned. Distress came upon the people because of the killing of children, because of the shedding of innocent blood. Lord God, you put that responsibility upon the kings who governed the people. Today in America, we govern the people. We the people govern ourselves. And therefore the responsibilities that your word lays out for kings rest on our shoulders. The duty to affirm your covenant belongs to us. The call to defend innocent life and to prevent the shedding of blood is a call made to us 
by name every day. Lord, at the dawn of creation, brother slew brother. Adam and Eve, our first parents, bore Cain and Abel, but Cain killed Abel. The ground swallowed up his blood, and you heard its voice, and you called Cain, and you said, Where are you? And then you said, Where is your brother? Foreshadowing in those dual questions, the dual commandments, love of God and love of neighbor, go hand in hand. As soon as we try to come into your presence, where are you, you asked? You ask us about our brother. Our relationship with you cannot be sustained, Lord God, if we break our relationship with our brothers and sisters. Worship of you is false if we are not protecting our brothers and sisters. That is why, Lord God, you said that if we bring our gift to the altar, and there we recall that our brother has something against us, we are to leave our gift at the altar. Go first and be reconciled with our brother, and then come and offer our gift. Lord, you have made it clear in, your, in the first letter of John that someone who has enough of this world's goods and sees his brother in need but does not tend to those needs cannot have your love survive in him. And so we have enough of this world's goods. We have life and we have the protection of our life, but we see our brothers and sisters in the womb in need, having no protection. And what little protection some of them may have. The other side, eager in a senseless, irrational lust for death, eager to take it away. Lord God, we come before you tonight with humility with repentance, with grief, with sorrow, with determination, with distress, and yet with confidence in your providence. And we beg you that we who have this world's good, this world's most fundamental good of life itself, may recognize our brothers and sisters in need and provide for them and protect their lives. Bless all those, Lord God, who are in Ohio, but bless all those who are across this nation, that we may see this indeed as our problem, as our challenge, as the promoters of abortion want to insert, want to invent a right to abortion that has never been acknowledged in our American history and that the Supreme Court just made clear does not reside in our federal constitution, they want to invent it again and impose it again on the most fundamental governing document of each state, the Constitution, with which every law must conform. They don't want the people to decide to protect their children. And so, Lord God, we ask you, may we rise to this occasion, all of us throughout the land, may we rise to this occasion Defend these children and their moms and dads and families. Defend the Constitution of Ohio 
and the Constitution of every state, and our federal Constitution. Defend our right to pass laws, including laws that protect the unborn. And may we see, Lord God, by your mighty hand, by your words speaking through ours, by your Spirit giving us strength, by the grace you give us to be faithful in action, may we see the victory. Give success, O God, to the work of our hands. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. I want to invoke the Holy Spirit with you, brothers and sisters. And again, do invite, as you can, others to hop on to this broadcast. This is a key moment tonight, and we're going to do it again tomorrow night with the presence of another priest here, Father David Begany. We have got to pray. We're doing a lot of things. We'll talk about some of those things that we're doing. But I want to invoke the Holy Spirit right now. Using the ancient Latin hymn, Veni, Sancte Spiritus. It's actually the, the more ancient Latin version of the familiar hymn, Come Holy Ghost, Creator Blessed. But I want to chant a couple of verses of it now in its ancient form. It's very, very calming. It's very, very... Um, makes us focus on the spiritual. You can even feel the presence of the Holy Spirit of God Open your minds and hearts. Let Him come in. Let Him strengthen and unite us. Let Him bring us victory. Remember the Spirit, the reason we invoke the Holy Spirit here. The Spirit convicts us of sin. And then the Spirit, enlightening us as to our sins, then brings us the consolation of forgiveness. The Spirit lets people know through His gifts of knowledge and wisdom and understanding, lets people know what it means that that these are babies, that they have to be protected, that abortion is harmful to the mom, the dad, our whole fam the whole family, the whole society, and primarily to the child that it destroys. Spirit helps us understand these things, helps us cut through the slogans, the nonsense, the deception, the darkness that's all around us. And then the Spirit inspires us to act. So let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Veni Sancte Spiritus, et emite celitus, lucis tue radium. Veni Pater Pauperum, veni Dator Munerum, veni Lumen Cordium. Consolator Optime, Dulcis hospes anime, dulce refrigerium. Veni Creator Spiritus, mentes tuorum visita, in superna gratia. Que tu creasti pectora, qui diceris paraclitus, altissimi donum dei, fons vivus in caritas, et spiritalis unctio. 
Cusepti formis munere, digitus paterne dextere, turite promisum patris, sermone ditans gutura. In that ancient hymn to the Holy Spirit, we ask not only that He fill us and bring us His gifts, we ask that He give voice to our tongues. And that's such a key aspect of winning this battle, isn't it? Not only that people understand the truth, but that they speak. Especially when we're talking about the defense of life, the defense of those who have no voice. What do we do for those who have no voice? We become their voice. We have to speak. How do we convince others of a truth that perhaps they have forgotten or never known? Paul says, how can they come to believe in Christ if the word not be preached. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me, mind you, if I do not believe the gospel. But woe to me if I do not preach it. That's why being pro-life in our mind and heart is simply not enough. We speak. And that, spiritually, leads us to the first practical part of the strategy that we have to have in mind. That we simply speak. We speak to our families, our friends, our neighbors, those who are clergy, speak in the pulpit. We speak on social media. We speak in any and every way we can to make people aware of the reality of the child, the reality of abortion, the reality of the harm it does, and the need to stop it. The need to stop it. Let's reflect a little bit, uh, and, and, I'll, and I'm, I'm going to go into prayer. I'm going to give you certain reflections and then go back into uh, times of prayer. Let's reflect a little bit about what the, the spiritual starting point is for both prayer and action. What's our first duty? in regard to fighting the abortion amendment in Ohio or fighting abortion overall. What's the first spiritual duty that we have? Many people will say it's, it's to pray, but there's something that comes before that. If you've read my book, Abolishing Abortion, you know what it is. There's a whole chapter on it. The first spiritual duty that we have is repentance. Repentance. Turning away, because what we're asking people to do is turn away from evil and embrace good. Obviously, the people who are trying to promote abortion, they, they, they're, they're trying to make us think that it's a good. And many people are fooled into thinking that it's a good. Repentance, literally meaning a turning of the mind, gets out of that lie, reverses the lie that looks at something evil and calls it good, Isaiah says, Woe to those who trade good for evil, evil for good, light for darkness, darkness for light, bitter for sweet, sweet for bitter. Woe to them. We are to know the difference. And 
Repenting, therefore, is the first step. You know what we have to do when we see the other side trying to ram this so-called constitutional right to abortion down our throats and down our constitutions? We must be grieved. We have to be grieved. We have to be distressed. If we jump too quickly to saying, okay, well, the battle is the Lord, God has got, Lord's God has got this, we're going to be okay, that, that, that is our confidence in God, and we must never lose that. But we have to start with a broken heart. We have to start by being able to feel the distress and the grief and the sadness, even the anger. Then what, what is the other side trying to do? I'm going to read for you, though, what this petition is, and we're going to talk about what, where we're at with this. But this has got to make us mad. If, if people are talking about this and trying to get you to do, do things about it and giving speeches and whatnot, and they're not saying to you, you have got to feel the anger and feel the grief, and that's where it starts, then we're, ne we're never going to get to where we need to be in terms of doing something about it if that's not the starting point. So grief, repentance. And the repentance comes not only in perceiving, because we may never have ever thought that any kind of abortion was okay, so it's not that our mind has to be changed. But what repentance also is, is, Lord God, have I done enough? Have I spoken enough? Have I done enough pro-life pro activities? Were there times I backed away? And we know we're not perfect, so we always have to repent. Were there times, Lord, I, I should have spoken, but I didn't? I should have gotten involved, but I didn't? Did I take too long to get involved in this in this movement, we repent. Psalm 51, of course, the psalm of repentance is where I want to go next. Let's pray it together. Invoking God's grace of repentance on all those who support abortion, all those who are collecting these signatures now. They have collected the signatures. They, they got enough of the signatures. These people, every signature they collected was a sin. You realize that? Now, it might not have been a sin for the person signing it because most of them, I would say for most of them, or a lot of them, signing it, they thought they were doing something very different from what they were doing. So the guilt may not, total guilt may not be there. But those who were pushing for this thing, wow, it's a lot of guilt. It needs to be repentance on their part. It needs to be repentance on everybody who is facilitating this in any way, shape, or form, defending it. There are lawmakers in Ohio who have issued statements about it, why it's a good thing. We have to ask repentance the grace of repentance for them and the grace of repentance for us, that we may come out of this with an even clearer mind, with an even stronger will to be even more involved in the pro-life cause. Let's pray the psalm of repentance, Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Cleanse me thoroughly from iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. 
For I know my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone, have I sinned. What is evil in your sight I have done. That you may be justified when you give sentence and be without reproach when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in the truth in the inward being. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear rejoicing and gladness that the bones you have crushed may revive. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Put in me a steadfast spirit. Cast me not out from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. My sacrifice, O God, is a contrite spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with lawful sacrifices, holocausts offered on your altar. Lord God, we thank you for this psalm which tells us that our sacrifice to you is a broken heart. Break our hearts for the unborn. Break our hearts for every mom and dad and family for every grandparent and sibling and cousin and friend who suffer because of each and every abortion. How deceptive the other side is when they want to present this as a personal, private choice that affects nobody but the chooser. They don't even acknowledge the baby. But Lord God, it affects mom, it affects dad, it affects siblings, it affects grandparents, it affects other children, it affects the whole family, it affects the friends, friends that might have helped their friend get an abortion. They are all wounded. Give us a broken heart over the damage being done. The damage, Lord, that is done to our constitutional system of government. It is destroyed by abortion, which is tyranny, the tyranny of the strong over the weak. The ability of people to carry out under the law the most basic human instinct to preserve our children. Lord God, the damage that legal abortion does, the damage that a constitutional right to abortion invented and fake and forced as it is, unheard of in American history. The damage this does to our self-governance is incalculable. Help us to understand this, Lord. It undermines the very purpose of law. 
the, the very drive that we have to be participants in making laws. Why should we govern ourselves if we are going to govern ourselves into oblivion? It takes away the very purpose of governing ourselves. Help us, Lord, to repent. Give us a broken heart so that broken and grieving by the evil of abortion, Lord God, we ask that our hearts then may be open enough for you to fill them with the grace to do something about this. We pray as all things, through Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, so we're angry. Because these pro-abortion people, of course, they're angry because of the Dobbs decision. And uh, so what they're trying to do, understand what they're trying to do here. They're trying to put into the state constitutions what they just lost from the federal constitution. Simple. It's simple. But you have to understand that dynamic. Roe v. Wade came down in 1973 and gave them, gave the abortion people carte blanche and said there's a constitutional right to abortion. Now understand, if there's a constitutional right to something, then it's very difficult to restrict it. Not impossible. But you have a very, very, very high bar in the law, under the law. The court is going to strike down a law that restricts a constitutional right, especially if you call it a fundamental right, as the other side wants to do. Unless it's very, very, very narrow circumstances. Unless the state has a very good reason, a compelling reason, as they say, and unless that law is the least, least restrictive way of carrying out that compelling interest. These are now constitutional concepts about how laws and constitutions interact with one another. So by saying, and by trying to say, that abortion is a constitutional right, what the other side does, and what they did in Roe v. Wade, was to short-circuit the lawmaking process and, in fact, to short-circuit the public debate. Because, after all, oh, if it's a constitutional right, well, who are we to stop it? Who are we to limit it? Who are we to ban it? Who are we to make it illegal? Who are we to restrict it or even delay it? Who are we to even speak against it? You see the point? So they're trying to put into the state constitutions now what they just lost big time in the federal constitution. But it's just as fake. It's just as forced. It's just as invented. Because, you know, if you read the Dobbs case, and I urge you to read the decision, and if you've read it, reread it. If the, if the argument you understand in Dobbs is there was never a constitutional right to abortion recognized in American history, and the reason that's an important argument is that there's no dispute that the word isn't in the Constitution, okay? The word abortion is nowhere in the Constitution. The Constitution is not that long of a document. You can see for yourself. There's nothing in there about abortion. And so if there's a constitutional right that the Constitution didn't happen to mention, the history has to reveal it somewhere. It has to be acknowledged someplace. There has to be some indication. 
that the people who wrote the Constitution or ratified the Constitution or, or uh, promoted it over the, over the uh, now two and a half centuries in American history would have said something at some point. Why do we think all of a sudden we discovered something now in the case of Roe, 1973, that nobody else had ever found, nobody else had ever thought about, nobody else had ever asserted? Come on, it's so ridiculous. And yet they got away with it for 50 years. Supreme Court finally came to its senses and corrected this egregious error. In fact, for 50 years, they didn't even ask the right question. You realize in the Dobbs case, they asked the question for the first time since Roe v. Wade. Oh, by the way, does the Constitution really give a right to abortion? They hadn't even. They were dealing with all kinds of other questions in the couple of dozen times that the Supreme Court ruled on abortion from '73 to 2022. Uh, things about fu funding and uh, the limits of funding and the limits of certain regulations on abortion, or even some prohibitions like partial birth abortion. The court upheld that, upheld the prohibition. That is. And that was significant. But you, 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 they never got back to the fundamental question. Once they did, they answered it correctly. Does this Constitution confer a right to abortion? And they said, no. Now, one of the ways they got to that, to that conclusion was that they looked at the history. In fact, the appendix of the Dobbs case is a litany of the different state laws that were in effect at the time that the uh, 14th Amendment, which the other side also tries to use to find a right to abortion under liberty, was ratified. So here's my point. In saying to us that there was never a constitutional right to abortion recognized in America, the justices in the Dobbs case included the states. In other words, if a right to abortion was never acknowledged in the history of America, that means not only in regard to the federal constitution, and again, up until the time of Roe v. Wade, of course, never was it acknowledged in the federal level, but never was it acknowledged on the state level. In no state constitution was there ever a right to abortion acknowledged. So this is a novelty now that these people are trying to impose on Ohio and on other states. This is a novelty. And it's a novelty because the people who wrote those constitutions and ratified those constitutions, and each state has its own history, never thought that they were giving the right to kill a baby in the womb. They never thought that. They never thought that. That was nowhere in their mind. What evidence does anybody have? that that's what they had in mind. There is no evidence. This is, a, this is a class in creative writing. This is the amendment here. I want to read it to you in case you haven't actually heard the wording. This is, a, this is creative writing. This is the imagination, brothers and sisters. A destructive imagination. And here's the reason they're doing it. Understand the reason. By saying that there was a constitutional right to abortion, the Supreme Court in Roe v. Wade made it unnecessary for the other side to defend 
their position. Hear what I'm saying. You and I know how to argue the abortion issue, right? We know how to show people, hey, wait a minute, all the science shows us this is a baby. We know how to argue it philosophically. Well, if you can't protect the baby in the womb, why can't you protect the baby outside the womb? And scientifically, there's just as much evidence that that baby is, uh, uh, is human as there is that you and I are human. And on and on, all the arguments go. We've got all the arguments, and we know how to make the arguments. The other side doesn't have to make any arguments. This is true in the United States Constitution. This is true as a result of Roe v. Wade. And it would be true in Ohio if they put, again, force into the Constitution by some kind of uh, imaginary magic, the uh, so-called right to abortion. They would be saying, okay, so now we on the pro-abortion side, we don't have to persuade anybody anymore. We don't have to make the case that this is a good thing. And why is that, why is that so? Well, because you're, it's just a dogma. Oh, it's constitutional right to abortion. Oh, okay, case closed. And that shuts down a lot of argument. Well, how can you make a law against it? See, when we're making laws, we're going to say, hey, the baby can feel pain. Look, the baby can move. Look, the baby is human. Look at the DNA. Look, this, look at this. Look at that. Look at the harm abortion does. And we make the case. We give the reasons. But to someone who thinks there's a constitutional right to abortion, those reasons don't matter. Those reasons don't matter. The idea that there's a constitutional right to abortion closes the door on the need for to give any reasons. So that's why the other side is so upset. Now the other side, they're rushing to put these constitutional amendments in all over the place because they've got no cover. The Supreme Court gave them cover for decades. We would come along with new evidence, the pain that the baby feels, for example, a big part of the evidence that has just grown bigger and bigger. Over these 50 years, we know more about the unborn. We've learned more about the unborn child, by the way, scientifically in the last 50 years than we've known from the, than we've learned in the whole, from the dawn of human history until then. And yet it doesn't matter to the other side. All they had to do was hide behind the robes of the justices. We come forth with the arguments, they hide behind the robes of the justices. Oh, but they gave us a constitutional right to abortion. That's why they behaved like the spoiled children that they are when the Supreme Court took that right away. They technically didn't take it away. They made the case it wasn't there in the first place. But for them, the same thing as you know, taking away something that a, a, a little child wants desperately and relies on, they're going to throw a tantrum. That's all they know how to do. They don't know how to make rational arguments. They don't know how to work the legislative system. They threw a tantrum. They started firebombing pro-life offices and pregnancy centers and churches and doing graffiti and causing violence. They, they threatened the Supreme Court justices. They, they leaked the decision so that it would cause enough consternation ahead of time to hopefully get some of them to change their mind or at least to have the other side prepare for the day when this disastrous decision, in their opinion, would come out. Friends, this is why they're doing this. You put a right to abortion in a state constitution in that state, now they've got the same benefit that they had under Roe v. Wade. Oh, we can just hide behind the justices. We don't have to persuade our fellow citizens that abortion is a good thing because they can't do that anyway. There's no justification for killing a child. There's no justification for abortion. They can't do that anyway. So they don't want to have to do it. 
Oh, I'm not going to try. I don't have to persuade my fellow citizens anymore to elect pro-life candidates. I don't have to persuade my lawmakers anymore to pass laws to protect the unborn because now they know they can't do it. They can't do it because it's a constitutional right. You see this, this strategy? And we've got to point out, as we argue about this with people, since when in Ohio was there a constitutional right to abortion recognized? Well, since when? Show me, show me in the history of Ohio. Show me in the history of Michigan, California, New York, Vermont, New Jersey, Missouri, Florida, South Dakota. See, Missouri, Florida, South Dakota, these pro-abortion fanatics are trying the same nonsense. They're trying to stir up these constitutional amendments in these states too. And they have a whole host of other targets that they're going to go after. And the argument we need to make is nowhere in the history of Ohio, Florida, Missouri, South Dakota, or anywhere else, nowhere in the history of any of those states was there any constitutional right to abortion ever stated, asserted, defended, or thought about. Meanwhile, oh, one more thing to close out this portion of the thought. They're afraid of the legislative process precisely because it involves looking at abortion. Precisely because it involves persuasion. Precisely because it's more than a soundbite. This, they win votes. They win votes because it's snapshot voting. It's soundbite voting. It's low information voting. Oh, you got to sign this petition and you got to vote uh, yes to give us a constitutional amendment to abortion because otherwise uh, you're not going to be able to get the health care that you need. So they scare them into something that's completely false. And when was there the debate? Where was the legislative hearing? Where were the witnesses? Where were the counter witnesses? Where was the evidence? Where were the debates? Where were the votes among the legislators? Where were the citizens to lobby the legislators? Who can you go to lobby to change something in this? No, no one. It's a straight up or down vote by the people, no legislative hearings. This bypasses the legislative process. That's why they want it, because they are scared stiff of the legislative process, because that's where, again, you have witnesses, counter-witnesses, you have arguments, you have questioning and cross-examining, and you get to the truth of the matter. Of course, some of these hearings are better than others, but friends, you see what's going on here? This allows a superficial, non-understanding, it's all on the surface level, it's all sound bites. Superficial. All right, listen to this. Now, this is the full text of the amendment. This is what would be voted on in November. We know we have a vote coming up day after tomorrow, which is about a separate issue. How hard should it be to amend the Constitution? We'll talk about that in just a second. But what's this whole furor about? Here's the amendment. Be it resolved by the people of the state of Ohio that Article 1 of the Ohio Constitution is amended to add the following section. Article 1, Section 22, the right to reproductive freedom with protections for health and safety. 
Every individual has a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, including, but not limited to, decisions on contraception, fertility treatment, continuing one's own pregnancy, miscarriage care, and abortion. B, that was A. B, the state shall not directly or indirectly burden, penalize, prohibit, interfere with, or discriminate against either, one, an individual's voluntary exercise of this right, two, a person or entity that assists an individual exercising this right, unless the state demonstrates that it is using the least restrictive means to advance the individual's health in accordance with widely accepted and evidence-based standards of care, and three, abortion may be prohibited after fetal viability, but in no case may such an abortion be prohibited if in the professional judgment of the pregnant patient's treating physician, it is necessary to protect patient's life or health. Okay, uh, there's, there's a few more sentences here, but let, but let me point out here. May be prohibited after fetal viability, it doesn't have to but it shows, it contains the exception that swallows the rule. The professional judgment of the treating physician. Oh, you mean the abortionist who's going to get paid for the abortion? Which, if it's a later abortion, could be $25,000? Is that the one you think he's going to say, uh, oh, you don't need this abortion? That sounds ridiculous. Patient's health, defined as what? Many laws that have a health uh, exception define it as a substantial harm to a uh, major bodily organ. Substantial and irreversible harm to a major bodily organ. It doesn't say that here. So if you're afraid of the pregnancy, oh, well, this person is anxious, this person is worried. That's health. You're too young. That's health. You have too many children already. That's health. It's, friends, it's unlimited abortion. Okay. And do you see, hear anything in here about children or parents? Everything is isolated in the individual. The individual's own right to these reproductive decisions about abortion and other things. Which means what? It's an attack on parental rights. It's an attack on parental rights. And furthermore, it goes beyond abortion because it talks about decisions of reproductive nature, including but not limited to the things that were listed there, contraception, abortion, etc. Which means transgender surgeries would be included. This actually would allow the mutilation of a child by a transgender surgery without the involvement of the parents. And it's this question of parental rights, by the way, that gets a lot of people much more upset and agitated and active in opposing this amendment than just on the matter of abortion. Here, of course, I'm talking to our base. You, my audience, you are the people who are involved in the, the effort to end abortion. And this is what we focus on. We focus on the, the baby. We know the harm abortion does to women. 
We have our Silent No More campaign. I'm the pastoral director of that and of Rachel's Vineyard, the largest healing ministry in the world for those who have had abortions. We know a lot about the harm abortion does to women. We talk about it a lot on these programs. We have the testimonies of Silent No More. People should use those testimonies as they fight against this. So yes, we always make that case. So we're advocating for the mother, we're advocating for the baby, we're advocating for the whole family, we're advocating for our right as a people to set policy on abortion. Okay. This Tuesday is part one of this battle. Because Ohio has a chance, and the voting's been going on now for a few weeks already, and one of you was asking about how do I vote on issue one. This issue one is what I'm going to explain now that happens this, this Tuesday. We want to make it harder to, 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 for the pro-abortion people to put this amendment in the Constitution. Simple as that. We want to make it harder. In November, for this to become part of the Constitution, how many people have to say yes? Only 50, only half of them. Half of the people plus one. That's it. That's a very low threshold for amending a Constitution. Think of how hard it is to amend the federal Constitution. You've got to have two-thirds of all the, uh, both houses of Congress and three-quarters of the states. That's a really high, steep hill to climb. And the founders made it purposely difficult like that because, in a sense, you're deciding all the laws at once on this and that issue. Like I said before, you have a constitutional amendment saying abortion must be permitted, well then, how can you, you've decided on a whole bunch, and you've decided already on any law that comes forward or gets proposed to protect these babies or to limit abortion. So the standard for changing that governing document, which in turn sets up boundaries for all the other proposed laws on that subject, should require a greater consensus among the people. Because there will be different opinions about different laws that will be impacted by that. And the more consensus you require, the more you're, you're assuring that the people in the long term are getting what they want. Because otherwise, people find out that something is no longer possible to legislate and they get mad or they didn't even understand it and then they have to try to go back and change it again and you've got this seesaw, flip-flop, back and forth. That's not good for our system of law. Brothers and sisters, this vote Tuesday has to be a yes vote. Issue 1 says, instead of just requiring half the people to agree, we want 60%. In other words, Tuesday's vote is a procedural matter. It's not on the substantive matter of abortion. But it's a procedural matter that's going to affect the ability of the other side to expand abortion. Because it's going to say, we are now deciding that in order to amend our Constitution on anything, on any issue, it's got to be 60% of the people. 60% of the people. That's a yes. That's a thing that should be supported. It has to be supported. Because amending the Constitution, look, Think about it this way. Amending the Constitution is a very big deal because you're getting ahead of the law. Doesn't mean you can't still pass laws. If, if, they, if, this, if the citizens vote yes on Tuesday, yes, we're going to raise the threshold to 
you can still pass any law you want. If, if you, but again, it's like the difference I was talking about before. You want to pass a law, the other side wants to pass a law expanding abortion. Guess what you have to do? You have to persuade your fellow citizens. They can still do that. They can still pass a law. The Constitution being amended affects many laws. And there should be a higher threshold for that. Now, looking at polling and looking at how these, because again, this amendment process is superficial. It's soundbite voting, like I said before. And because it's so superficial, because it's so easy for the other side to get these things voted in, we see that they can probably get 50% plus one. They shouldn't be able to. But this is soundbite superficial voting. These are lies propagated among the people. Brothers and sisters, you look at the polling, you look at what has happened in other states where these pro-abortion amendments have passed, it never gets up to 60%. That may pass with something between 50 and 60. And therefore, that's why it passes. It gets a majority. But it doesn't reach 60. 60 is a high threshold to reach. And it should be. That's what the vote Tuesday is about. Yes, yes, yes. Yes is the proper way to vote on issue one. It's a yes vote. And that's something that we are praying for tonight. That there would be victory. That there would be victory for this issue one. And that our brothers and sisters in Ohio will be able to protect their constitution from this ridiculous, unjust, forcing of a fake right to kill babies, harm mothers, and harm our constitutional system of governance. Let's pray. Father, we come before you with broken hearts. We come before you, Lord, with an understanding of the dangers that face us in Ohio and elsewhere. We come before you, Lord God, asking for victory this Tuesday. We come before you asking, Lord God, that the, that the right to life, that the right to govern ourselves will be protected by setting up a new bulwark against too easily and mistakenly amending this Constitution of Ohio in any, on any issue. Lord, bring wisdom to your people. Bless the, 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 the speech, bless the, the efforts, the educational efforts of all those who are telling people about issue one. Bless them, Lord God. Bless them abundantly. Enable your people to do what is right, to know what is right, and to vote in the right way. Enable your people, Lord God, to 
not only vote themselves, but to encourage and remind people and bring them to the polls and, and raise awareness and mobilize as many other votes as possible. Give your people a practical sense, Lord, of the task at hand, that it is ultimately about the numbers. It is ultimately about the number of ballots that get cast properly and collected and counted on Election Day. Enable your people, Lord God, to take part in this process, to give extra time tomorrow and Tuesday, as much time as they can, calling others, emailing others, reminding them, talking to friends and neighbors and fellow believers and their Christmas card list and their email list and their social media lists. Enable us all to be active. And for those, Lord God, in every and any part of the country, every and any part of the country, may they too sound the alarm, spread the information, post it online so that people in Ohio can see it. May they also, Lord God, contact the people they know in Ohio. May the churches rise up and bring people to the polls to remind them to vote urge them to vote yes Tuesday on issue one to make it harder to put poison into the Constitution. And now we pray in the words that Jesus gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Well, friends, I have a lot more to say, um, but it's, well, you've been with me for a full hour already. Pray, speak, read. Well, tomorrow night, we're going to give, of course, more prayer. We'll have Father David Begany with us. But I'm going to give you even more uh, dimensions of this. Uh, to understand and to talk to other people about, uh, and we'll look at how this is going to unfold in the, uh, in the months and even years ahead. A lot to be understood here. Thank you for following uh, what uh, we were praying about and talking about tonight. Have a wonderful evening. Uh, God bless you, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Hello, this is Father David Begany. Like many priests, I am inspired and always learning from the Ministry of Priests for Life which is one of the largest and most visible pro-life organizations in the world. This ministry relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priests for Life generously? Go today to prolifegift.org and give as generous a gift as you can. Thank you so much and be assured of our daily prayers for you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.